podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Glasgow's Green, the Celtic podcast, episode 146. What a lot of episodes that is. I'm your host for this week's episode, Rizzo. We're going to talk about the big derby, Rangers v Celtic at Ibrox a few days ago. And I'm joined in this week's episode by Spunkphone. And let me just say, Happy New Year, mate. Happy New Year to yourself as well, John. Bit under the weather, but looking forward to, to chatting all things Celtic with your good self as always I'm sure that'll lift my spirits but um, a very happy new year to yourself and, and all the listeners as well exactly happy new year to all the listeners and yes I was also unwell I know the nation will mourn and we had to cancel the the planned live podcast with the three years what a tragedy that was I couldn't go to the Celtics and Johnson game either and when I went out to watch the game the other day we are we are beloved leader Stevie and Hamish and some other Legends, that was only the, the second time I'd been out of the house since Christmas. What a hero I am. So before we start talking about the game, did you just watch the game in the house, Spunkophone, due to your illness, or did you go to a drinking establishment? I did indeed, John. I, I just watched it in the uh, in the house. I had a, a rather low-key derby day by my standards. Um, and as I say, that was to do with the debilitating illness that I'm currently suffering from. Um, however, as, as, as you've touched on already, I know that you and Stevie had a, a good wee day out with the boys, but um, sadly I couldn't be there. Yes, it would have been even more ridiculous if you had been there, but Stevie's ridiculousness uh, made up for that. I won't, I won't, I won't mention what he said until I wait until he's on it and he can explain what he was thinking when he, he was in a panic about Joe possibly leaving because he didn't start. But that's for another podcast. So let's talk about the team that was picked by Ange. Now, before the game, I was extremely confident because I think Celtic are a better team than Rangers. And then I saw the team. And let's just say that my confidence was knocked just a tad because I don't think it was a team anybody would have picked. Okay, Alistair Johnson starting at right back. Maybe not that much of a shock because Ange likes to give players debuts in big games. I mean, he did that with Juranovic last season at Ibrox. So he was in at right back. Rio Hitati was back in the middle. No Aaron Moy, Matt O'Reilly, played instead of him. And maybe the biggest shock of them all, no Leela Bada or Jota on the wing, but James Forrest. It was Dyson in one wing, which was understandable because he's been playing well. But James Forrest started in the right, which was a real shock to me. And when I spoke to Steve about it and the other guys that were away, I think we were all extremely surprised and really knocked a lot of people's confidence. I mean, I was still confident with the win, but my my belief in the team really went down a lot. Obviously, we're back to Ange, and he's done so well that you give him the opportunity to make these team selections, but I was shocked, really. Maybe no by Johnson starting, but definitely by James Forrest starting. That, that just came out of the blue for me. What did you make of the team, and 
when you saw the team, did that affect how you felt about the game? Um, so it wasn't too surprised when it came to the, the midfield three and Moy dropping out. Um, I did think he'd go with O'Reilly and I did think then Hitati would, would move back into the, the midfield three as well. Um, Johnston was a wee bit of a surprise. I did expect Juranovic to play and I was touting him beforehand to, to play, but I'm sure we'll obviously come on to his performance at, at some stage, but it's probably for the best that, that Johnston started ahead of him at right back. I, I thought he'd went on to have a pretty decent game. Forrest was the the real shock, I think. Um, as you say, nothing against James Forrest in terms of his contribution to Celtic over the, the many years that he's been here, but in terms of the pecking order at the moment, you would have expected a badder, given his contributions against Rangers recently. All right, you know, all his goals against him have came at Celtic Park or, or Jota um, for his performances in these games and, and over the course of the season as well. So it was a bit of a surprise that he went with Forrest. I'm imagining the thinking there was probably, you know, you've got a badder basically to come on later on in the game, on the bench, potentially running at tired legs with Barisic. But I don't know, I would always, you know, start the the strongest team. And at the moment, again, no disrespect to James Forrest, I just don't think he's in that strongest eleven. Um, I know there'd been talk beforehand about Jota possibly suffering a bit of illness and that was maybe why I hadn't played at Easter Road during the week as well, so that might have played a part in the thinking, but uh, even if that was the case, I would definitely have went with, with a badder on the right and, and Dyson obviously on the left there. So yeah, it was a little bit of a shock, but as you say, the, the manager's kind of made enough of these big team selections that have come off now over a period of time that you do have to obviously give them the benefit of the doubt, but as unfolded, obviously, I think it's safe to say there was maybe one or two changes we could have made that possibly would have allowed us to, you know, have a bit more of a, a hold on the game, if you like. Alright, so we'll, we'll go into the game itself now, and we got off to the perfect start. After only five minutes, Dyson gave us a lead, and what a great goal it was. It was also hilarious, because the legendary Alfredo Morelos did an aimless pass in the middle of the park, Dyson was on it, quick as anything, beat uh, Captain Fantastic Tav, the greatest right-back in Scottish football history, according to a Rangers fan I know. Hopefully he's listening. Beat him easily in the middle of the park. His pace took him by Connor Goldson as well. And he slipped under Alan McGregor. And it was a brilliant goal. Probably one of the best goals we've scored against Rangers in a while for a number of reasons. It was a great anticipation by Dyson. And, I mean, I know that in the past, he's had problems with his finishing. I mean, against Rangers for a start. He had a similar chance last season at Ibrox when we went 2-1 and McGregor made the save. But when he got through, I had no doubt at all that he'd score because when you look at how he scored that goal against Tibbs, I mean, that two minutes was dies in a nuts. He misses an open goal, then curls a strike in the net from like 25 yards. But as soon as he anticipated that pass, I knew for a fact he was going to score. And he did. And it vindicated the manager's selection. I had no doubt at all that it would start. And he's just proved his point yet again. That's two goals in two games. And you can see why the the Japanese manager picked him for the World Cup. Because he's so all action. I mean, didn't he just score that goal against Rangers? He put in a brilliant cross as well that just eluded everybody no long after. And I really thought it was a, a great goal. Brilliant attacking play by a guy who isn't technically a striker. But he knew where to be to get that ball. And his skill to take it past Tav and Goldson was just sensational. It was a, a really, really good goal and the perfect start for us. Yeah, as you said, rather hilariously, Alfredo Morelos um, turns around. He's obviously, I think he's 
kind of blindly passing it, isn't he? He thinks he's got that 25, 30 yards of space to kind of hit. Tavernier and Goldson are there, and, and obviously then out of nowhere comes the, the roadrunner, Dyson. Tavernier absolutely bottles out that kind of 50-50, to be fair, but, but credit to Dyson for the, the pressure he applies, obviously. He then beats Goldson to nick it in behind, and as you say, the, the composure that he showed was sublime. It, it was one of the kind of big questions about him in, in terms of his finishing was when he's got a bit of time to think and when he needs to actually compose himself in front of goal. I know, obviously, he had that kind of horror message the other week albeit he really picked himself up after it but the composure he showed in that situation was just fantastic and um, he's really really coming on to a game sort of post World Cup as has Adam Moy Carter Vickers has obviously been excellent still you've come to expect that from him but Dyson and Moy in particular but obviously in this instance Dyson has just been phenomenal post World Cup and I think it's obviously gave him a massive boost going there been the preferred choice for Japan and, and then he's really flourished when he's came back to, to his club. So credit to him, as I say, brilliant pressing. Um and, and then obviously to nick it by Goldson and the composure with the finish as well was just sublime. So the perfect start really. Yep, and look for that moment on we were dominant. We kept the ball very well. We didn't really create that many chances, but we kept the ball. We looked comfortable. We were we were doing well. Then came a moment, I think, came one or two moments that really affected us. I'll go into the second moment in a few minutes, but first of all, Greg Taylor got injured. I think he's done his hamstring, and well, no word yet when he'll be back, but I would be surprised if he's playing against Kelly on Saturday. he done his hamstring, and he tried to continue on, but he was uh, done in, basically. And now we made a change. Now, if we were going in positional sense... I Bernabeu should have played because he was on the bench and he has a left back, so he probably should have took the place of Taylor if you're thinking about it like technically. But I decided to go with JJ Juranovic, who was on the bench, who of course hasn't played for Celtic for a while because it was a way creating history with Croatia in the World Cup, he only finished third. And it was him that came on and replaced Greg Taylor. He's played left back at Ibrox before on his debut, as we said earlier. What did you make of that change? Were you surprised that he brought on JJ for instead of Bernabeu, or did you expect it? Because, I mean, it's an atmosphere that Bernabeu wouldn't have faced before, and he struggled at Tynecastle when he played there earlier this season. What did you make of that change? We weren't that really surprised when we were watching it in the pub. I was happy enough with it at the time, to, to be honest. I know there's obviously now been one or two questions over um, Juranovic's his fitness, and obviously I think that's why Johnson started right back ahead of him. But, as you said, Bernabeu, kind of struggled at Tynecastle and, and it does have a tendency to be a bit rash. Um, I'm not wanting to obviously talk down about him too much because we've seen enough of him now to know that he does have some some seriously good qualities and there is a lot of potential there. But to be honest, at the time, I thought even bringing him on out of position, he played at left-back last season. He's, he's played there before for us as well and just his general experience and, and calmness, which he didn't go on to show, but, but certainly usually does. Um, I was happy enough with Juranovic coming on. Obviously, it was a massive blow losing Taylor, um, which is incredible to think, really, considering you know, 12, 18 months ago. I'm not saying anyone would celebrate a Celtic player going off injured or anything of, of the sort, but you wouldn't exactly be too fussed to see Greg Taylor go off, as opposed to now, where he's one of the first names in the team sheet and, and really vital for us. But I think that injury and, and then the subsequent change in the performance of Juranovic, which will come on to definitely... Um, Blew the wind out of our sails, um, so to speak. But uh, as I say, at the time, I, I did expect and I wasn't too shocked to see Iranovic come on ahead of, of, of Burnaby. Right, so that was one moment that affected us. 
but I think that the moment that really changed the game, I think it was about the 29th, 30th minute, involved Joe Hart. Now, we've praised Joe Hart on this podcast. I think he's done well at Celtic when you consider there was a lot of doubts when he was brought in because he'd not played a lot of first-team football. But this season especially, he really looks like he's always got a mistake in him. And it took far too long to get the ball out to one of the centre-backs. He hit the ball off of Alfredo Morelos. It bounced. It didn't go out of play. Morelos passed it to uh, Ryan Kent. And to be fair to Joe Hart, he did make a great save from Kent. He tipped the ball onto the post. But for that minute onwards, Rangers practically controlled the game. It, it, that gave them a second wind because they hadn't been in the game at all. It was their first chance. We were... We were dominant without really creating chances. But that really seemed to affect us and it gave them a huge boost. And they like dominated the game up until maybe the last 10, 15 minutes without creating lots of chances, but they created more than we did. And I really think that had a big impact in the game. So why do you think that had such a big impact in the game? And most importantly, do you not think we should be looking to get a new goalkeeper in? Because I really don't think Joe Hart should be our goalie next season. He's done well, but... He's making too many mistakes now. Yeah, I think long term, and and to be fair, I even thought it a little bit in the in the summer. No disrespect to Segrist coming in, but he's you know what 29, 30, 31. He's not far off Hart in terms of ages, and and I thought we would have maybe brought a, a younger goalkeeper in who might have been the understudy to Hart, you know, for twelve months, whatever it might be, with a view to kind of take over from him in, in the longer term. But no, I, I think in terms of a, a long term option, I, I don't think it can be. Joe Hart, as you say, no disrespect to him, he's obviously had a, a big impact and, and his impact goes beyond just kind of what you see in the pitch. He has a, a leader as well, you know, off the pitch and, and, and a big example, I suppose, to other players. But it, it was just a really, it's really avoidable as well. He just dallies on the ball and, as you say, it just handed the impetus to, to Rangers for the first 20 to 25 minutes. Although there was obviously spells where it's a little bit scrappy, that's natural for a for a derby game when it's played at 100 mil an hour. We were in control of the game, but for that moment onwards, we just, as I said, handed the, the impetus to, to Rangers and they just dominated from, from that kind of moment onwards. Certainly in the um, you know, remaining kind of 20, 25 minutes of that half, he does make a good save. You know, I've got to give him credit there from, from Kent to tip it onto the post and it's a very good block from Starfelt. But from that moment onwards, we just weren't comfortable. We couldn't get out. You were struggling to string one or two passes together. And it really did just hand over control of the, the game to them. They had obviously a few good chances for set pieces, Manelos, with a couple of headers after that. But yeah, so it's something to be looked at, certainly going forward. And as we've both kind of said, I think long term, we do need to be looking for a, a replacement goalkeeper for, for Joe Hart. We did go in 1-0 up at half-time, and I mean, that was that was fair enough. Hopefully, we'd go in and build in that. In the second half, Ange could have had a talk to the players and maybe said to them, right, get your ideas up. But it wasn't to be, and we conceded an equaliser only two minutes into the second half, and I'm afraid Juravich really could have done a lot better. He left fashion Sakala go on a mazy run, they couldn't keep up with him. Sakala passed it to Ryan Kane. He was given too much space. I think Johnson could have done a bit better there. And he curled the ball in an air. It was a decent finish, but we really could have done much better. And then five minutes later, this will surprise you all, a penalty to Rangers. It was Sakala again, and this time, Carol Starfire was judged to have filled him in the penalty box, and uh, Joe Hart really 
didn't make that much of an attempt to save it. So, what do you, what's your take on the Rangers goals? First of all, Juranovic without a first one really should have done much better. And secondly, do you think that was a penalty? I think it probably was. It was soft, as you would expect. But, I mean, seeing it in the big screen in the pub, Starfield had no reason to dive in. It was naive, really, and let's face it, VAR was never going to disallow that. And just less than 10 minutes into the second half, we're 2-1 down. Your thoughts on that passage of play, Spunkphone? It, it was unforgivable, to be honest. I, I know, obviously, in the, the first half, we'd kind of handed the... Uh, control of the game to, to Rangers and managed to get through that really kind of tricky 20-25 minute spell and I was hoping for the second half we'd come out you know, calm down a bit, we'd retake control of the midfield, we'd, we'd you know get the ball down, play a passing game but to be fair what they started to do and they'd done it very well throughout the game and particularly in the second half was they just went very direct and it, it caused chaos for us really Juranovic's positioning for that first goal, um, letting Sakala get goal side of him. I, I don't care how far he is from goal. It was just ridiculous. It, it really was. Um, and, and then, to his credit, Kent does finish it, finish it off pretty well. I don't think there was much that Johnson could have done. He obviously tried to close the angle, but it was a, a pretty good finish in, in fairness. The second one, the penalty, I think it is a penalty. I think it's possibly on the, the softer side. And the kind of slow motion and the close-up replays, it does look as if Sakala almost kind of stands on on Starfield's foot. But again, he gets away for Juranovic and, and really had the beating of him all day. Starfield is pretty brainless, isn't it, to dive in there? Um, it's naive. It's just not necessary. He, he's you know running away from goal. He's not heading towards goal. And I think you're inviting the referee to make a decision there, whatever people's opinion of it. I think we're both in agreement that it is a penalty, possibly just on the, the softer side, but you're inviting the referee to make a decision. It's naive and, and ultimately, as I say, to just capitulate the way they did in kind of six or seven minutes of, of, of the restart was, was pretty pathetic, to be honest. But we managed to obviously recover from there. But yeah, it was a, a tough watch, certainly, at the, the start of that second half. It wasn't great. And... We'll talk a wee bit about Juranovic again, and I've got some comments here for a wonderful leader, Stevie, and he says, don't think Juranovic deserves personal abuse of that, but his performance is a genuine disgrace. Pulling out of tackles first half, no excuse for his bad positioning when he was good at left-back plenty of last season, and we bigged him up. Now there's excuses being made, don't think he should be defined over that game, but it will stain his legacy a bit unless he plays for us again and puts in a far better display. Now, I don't think that he will play for us again. I think that's his last game. And do you think that game will have an impact on his legacy? I don't think it should. But it wouldn't really surprise me if it did. Because if that is his last game, it really was a disappointing one. Because he was very, very poor. Yeah, it was a very poor performance. And as I say, I'll not hide for the fact that I did think he would start it right back beforehand and when he came on to replace Taylor, I was more than, than happy with it as well. But it, it was a pretty shocking performance given the the standards that you've you've come to expect for Juranovic. I know people said kind of first half of this season he maybe dropped off slightly. He then went and obviously had that brilliant World Cup. I don't think it should impact his, his legacy or, or the way people remember him if, if he does go this month, which I think we all expect that he will now. But... I think if it is his last game for us, naturally it will be one of the, the kind of first things that that jumps out at people. 
yeah, I think it could well be his, his last game. As I say, I think it'd be harsh to remember him based on kind of one shocker against Rangers when he's had a number of, of very good performances against them as well, including last season at Ibrox at left-back, albeit in a defeat. But to come in on his debut and perform the way that he did, much like Johnston right-back on, um, on Monday, was really commendable. So, as I say, I think he's a, a top-quality player. He had a very, very poor afternoon. And, and I think, as I say, it'd be a shame if that's how people remember him at Celtic is, is that one poor performance. But naturally, if it is his last game for us, I, I can't help but think that it will certainly be in, in people's memories, unfortunately. But um, yeah, a, a really poor afternoon. Right, before we talk about the penalty we're going to get, we'll, be, we'll address a couple of subs that we made and a couple of performances from players we took off in the 61st minute. We took off James Forrest and brought on Leela Bada, and we took off Matt O'Reilly and we brought on Aaron Moy. Now, it was a, I think it was a mistake playing Forrest. In a way, I can understand why he did it, to give Johnston support. He's an experienced player, but, I mean, as Stevie says here in his notes, Forrest is never good against Rangers and never, ever good at Ibrooks. And what really surprised me was, when you look at how... Barisic had have his nightmares against the Bada in the last two games, and in fact, Barisic was it played more on side for the equaliser. It just seems odd to me that Forrest started, and I really don't think Forrest will start that many more big games for us. Of course, now that I've said that, if we're playing Rangers in the cup final next month, he'll probably start that. And Matt O'Reilly, I know people like him, but I think this season he's been disappointing. I know that Stevie was talking about the assists he said, but. I mean, it just seems in the fringes of games far too much to me. He's no dominating games the way he did, and I think Aaron Moy is a much better choice than it. And if I was picking the team on Saturday, I would definitely have Aaron Moy over Matt O'Reilly. What do you think, uh, O'Reilly in particular? I think he's flattered to deceive about this season, and he's he's not a player he was. He's still a good player. He's still young, but. I don't think he's been that good this season and I think he needs a couple of weeks out of the team. So for myself personally, as, as much as I said it wasn't much of a shock looking at the, the midfield three beforehand, um, I did want Armoy to play. I thought it might have been a big ask because he'd obviously started the previous two matches um, and, and then to throw him in a game of that intensity as well from the start, it, it might have been a bit risky, but I, I did think he maybe should have got the, the nod at the time. Well, really, it's a weird one because you say the his numbers in terms of his assists are pretty pretty good. His underlying numbers are actually alright as as well, as much as I'm not some kind of stat head or obsessed with data. From what I've seen, it, it does actually look as if he's performing okay when it comes to all your, your kind of metrics. I guess what he's maybe not getting is the big kind of headline moments, if you like, because he's yet to score in, in the Premiership this season. He's had the most shots in the league without scoring as well. I did think he had a poor game on on Monday, I must I must say, I thought to be fair, the midfield three as a whole, barring the first kind of 15, 20 minutes where we did have a good control of the game, I thought were pretty poor. I thought McGregor looked a bit off it as well. In terms of Forrest, I say it was the, the real shock in, in, in that starting 11. And I don't think he'll play many more big games for us, certainly not from, from the start. So, yeah, as I say, it was a bit of a strange one, obviously, playing Forrest from the from the start. I would have went with either a bird or a jota. I don't think, he's, as you say, he's ever really had a big impact in a game against Rangers, particularly at Ibrox. So, bit of an odd one. As I say, we'll, we'll wait and see come the, the weekend, but I certainly think both of them, uh, Forrest and O'Reilly, would probably benefit from, from being at the team at the weekend because um, they certainly didn't have their, their greatest game. Now, on the big one of the big talking points of the game, 
VAR yet again. And shock horror. Celtic were denied, apparently, when it looked like uh, Connor Goldson handballed. Didn't look like he did handball a Carol Starfield shot. Easy for me to say. With both his hands in front of his face. Uh, the wonderful referee, John Beaton, didn't give it. He waited to see what Willie Conlon would do with VAR. Shock, surprise. He didn't refer it. He didn't have a look at the good old VAR screen. And, shortly enough, we didn't get it, apparently. Now, it was apparently. I've saw some daft clutching at straws things for Rangers fans know about how it was actually the right decision. But, let's be real here. It was apparently. I've seen that Celtic are supposedly fuming about it and are asking why it wasn't apparently. I think we know why. Because it was for Celtic Ibrox. Let's be real here. Spunk phone, were you shocked and stunned that we weren't awarded the penalty just like we all weren't in the pub? It was a bit of a weird one for me because obviously seeing it in real time, I, I didn't think there was anything wrong. I, I thought at the time it was just going to get a block on, on staff out shot. Um, even when I first saw the replays, I was kind of shouting for it and, and hope at the time because again, I, I couldn't really tell from the angles I was seeing at, at that moment. It was really seen after the game that I was totally convinced it was a Stonewall penalty. It's amazing the rush that there's been after it to, to obviously talk about Celtic fans and, and Celtic as a club now as well, given that they've complained to the SFA about it being these mad, wild conspiracy theorists. You know, they've had the BBC rolling out Richard Foster and Stuart Diggle. You've had articles about the IFAB rules and everything, but it's like when you look at some of the penalties for handball getting given against Celtic this season, um, particularly since the introduction of R. There's been softer ones in that. I know the point that people are trying to make is Goldson's raising his hands because it's a shot from close range, he's trying to protect his face, but he's not turned his head away as if he's trying to, you know, stop himself getting getting one in the in the face. And, and it's the way his arms go up. He, he's playing volleyball, basically. He completely changes the direction of the ball. For me, it's just a stonewall penalty and I'm... It's, it is, it is, it's just a stonewall penalty. It's you know, you know what it is we don't want to come on here and obviously talk about refereeing decisions every week. It's, it bores me to death, but as I say, it's, it's one of the clearest penalties you'll see. In, in terms of the, the current modern interpretation of the handball rule, it has to be a penalty. I mean, I, I don't want to be on the paranoia ward next to Stephen Gerrard, but our Rangers who write eight point dossiers about why. People shouldn't referees shouldn't manage shouldn't uh, referee their games against after drawing Aberdeen for example, but when you look at how VAR has affected us, I mean, I, I go back to that one against Hearts, the first VAR game when it was a, everybody thought it was a, a handball, even the Hearts player that handballed it in the box thought it was a he'd made a mistake, it wasn't even checked, and when you look at the ones we've get given against is the. One, I think it was against Bernabeu, against Dungeon United. The O'Reilly one against Ross County. I mean, would we have got them? I have my doubts. The thing is, I don't think there would have been that many complaints if we had got the penalty. Well, maybe there would be, but because Golson did put his hands in front of his face, it's no like one a sort of 50-50 decision. It looks like a nailed-on penalty, but they, I just didn't expect them to give it. And... They never, right, that's enough about VAR until next week when we no doubt talk about VAR again. We made another couple of subs uh, in this, just in the last 15 minutes. We brought on Jack Amakis and we brought on Jota. And I thought Jota in particular made an impact. He was direct, he was running. He caused Rangers a bit of problems. And 
I think he should be in the starting lineup when we play Kamarnock on Saturday, and Stevie wrote in his notes as well. But before we talk about the equaliser, I think probably the biggest moment in the game up to that was a brilliant bit of defending by Cameron Carter-Vickers. When it looked like Malik Tillman was going to make it 3-1 Rangers, they were on the break, he was in the box, all he had to do was beat Joe Hart. But CCB came up with a brilliant block. It was sensational defending. And in fact, our dear leader, Stevie, says that CCV's up there with Mark Reaper as the best defender he's ever seen play play for Celtic. And maybe the most important centre-back we've had since Johan Mialbi. And we need to keep him at Parkhead for as long as possible. I thought CCV was immense on Monday. He's definitely our best player. And Steve was right with all his praise for him. And how good was that challenge to really keep us in the game? It was just, it was phenomenal. It was, it was unbelievable. Rangers, for all the, the shots they had in the game, I think it was 15 in total, created very little in terms of actual clear-cut openings. I know they had the ones from the set piece in the first half and you'd obviously Kent's opportunity that Hart had, had saved as well. But that was one of the real kind of big chances they managed to create and... Um, for Carter Vickers to keep up with Tillman is pretty quick and, and then obviously get in and, and make that block as well. It's just sensational. I mean, you've, you've came to just kind of expect it from him, which is it's really the highest compliment you can pay him when he does these things that almost seem outrageous. You're just, you're just expecting it now. Been absolutely phenomenal this season. I was kind of singing Greg Taylor's praises and I still will in terms of the first half of the season talking about player of the year and all that sort of thing, but I think if you ended the season tomorrow at the moment, it'd be hard to make a case against Carter Vickers. Very often just goes about his business quietly. Sometimes goes through games where you don't notice him. You know, for example, there's a lot of praise for Starfield's performance at Easter Road last week and maybe less so for Carter Vickers, despite the fact that he was probably equally as good in the night. But as I said, it's you've just come to expect this this brilliance from him now. But it was a really important block and, and want to keep us in the game as well. So um Huge plaudits to him because he's he's just he's just top notch. So Ange really gambled. You could say when he decided to keep uh, Kyogo on when he brought Jack and Marcus on, we went with two strikers up front and it paid off. With two minutes to go, we got the all important equaliser and it was good play by Jota who ghosted past a uh, Tavernier on the wing. He put it into the box to Aaron Moy and thank you, Borna Barisic, for another assist for a Celtic goal by playing Moy onside. His cross was blocked. Jota tried to get it, sort of deflected onto Jackamakis, and he tried to lay it off, and it was deflected in the path of Kyogo. And it was a top-notch finish, but Kyogo was an instinctive penalty box, striker's finish. He didn't have a lot of time, and he just blasted it into the, top, into the back of the net. And what was Good about the goal, I think, was like there was a Rangers player, a couple of Rangers players on the line. Al McGregor was there as well, but he managed to navigate the ball away for him and put it into the back of the net. And it was a great goal, Kyogo's first goal against Rangers, and it backed up the manager's vindication. Him and I mean, on this podcast, me and Stevie, we've, we've sort of been unsure if Kyogo has been that good this season, but he's proven everybody wrong. Well, he's proven us wrong anyway. The manager deserves credit for keeping him on. That's him scored 15 goals in the league this season. And it was a great goal. And, I mean, he wanted to win the game. He didn't go to the fans and celebrate. He got the ball at the net and ran back to the centre circle where. But I thought it was an excellent goal by Kyogo and it vindicated uh, Ange's decision to keep him on the park. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of questions asked to Kyogo, be it this season or his record, for example. And 
European competition of the games against Rangers, the ones against Rangers, I, I felt was always a little bit harsh because there's been kind of mitigating circumstances and, and, and different factors as to why he hadn't scored against them yet. Be it he was either playing out of position or on the wing, or he maybe wasn't fit. Or you know, for example, in the four 0 game earlier this season, he comes off very early on. It's a brilliant, brilliant finish. Just so composed at, at that late stage of the game. As you say, he's got McGregor on rushing. There's two Rangers players in the line. He's not got a lot of goal to hit, and yet he hits it, and it's brilliant. Like you say, he's straight into the back of the net to get the ball in and right back to the halfway line, which just sums up the kind of we never stop mantra. The we get that late equaliser, we're still going over. We're going to go and get another one here. Unfortunately, we didn't, but it does just sum up the mentality. Um, brilliant work from Aaron Moy, who I thought made a big impact when he came on, just in terms of his, his ball retention. Um, I thought it was second to none, and it makes that really good running behind, albeit if it wasn't for ball on the back post. Yet again, he would have been offside, but brilliant work from him, from Jota as well, following in, and, and then Jackie Marcus, who... To be fair, I didn't think really could trap a bag of cement when he came on. One thing he did do was create a bit of chaos for the likes of Kyogo and, and Jota, for example, to, to play off. Um, and obviously, kind of gets that deflected kind of half half turn shot away. Comes to Kyogo, and as I say, the, the composure that he shows is, is just brilliant. There was questions asked as well about obviously the manager's choosing to keep him on and play him just in, in kind of behind Giacomacus, but he, he was vindicated there because um, as I said, it was the two of them that, that combined, albeit through a deflection for the, the equalising goal. So good good for him, obviously, to go off the mark against Rangers now. That's one less um, one less question mark over him, if you like. And the form that he showed as well since coming back from the winter break has been, been second to none also. So no, but big credit to him and the contributions as well and the, the build-up there to... Moy Jota and Jackie Marcus as well. Um, but yeah, a really brilliant and, and composed finish as well. Yep, and that made it to each. And I think there was seven minutes extra time added on, but none, neither team really looked like scoring. And that added time, I think both teams were really content to settle for the draw. And that's where the game ended up. Rangers 2, Celtic 2. And when you consider that we didn't play well, really, at all for most of the game, I'd say 85% of the game, we had a supposed bug. And as you said, in the, in the ranks as well, which meant that some key players couldn't play. We were missing even a guy like Haksabanovic, who I think could have made a big difference, but he was injured. And Ibrox is still a hard play, place to go. I mean... That's what Stevie was saying before it when I says I but Livingston drew there, he was like, No, it's still gonna be dead hard. In fact he and he even said in these notes that he was relatively happy with the result, but we need to play much better against Kamarnock. And I think that's probably everybody's taking the game that it does show a lot of the fighting spirit that the team's got though, that we can go to the home with our biggest rivals. It's still the hardest away game that we've got. We can go there, play poorly, avoid defeat. And we come away still nine points ahead. I mean, we would have loved to have won the game. And, of course, we were set up to win the game at halftime. But we didn't play well enough. And I think Ange will be stressing that to the players that there's still a lot of work to do. Okay, we're nine points ahead. Ten, really, if you count the goal difference. But still a lot of games to be played. And I think he'll want a lot better than that. But in the end, I think we're all pretty much content with 
getting a draw when you don't play well at the home of your biggest rivals. Is that what you felt at the end of the game, Spunkphone? Yeah, I think on balance, uh, I would have definitely taken a, a draw, particularly after that start that we had to the the second half. It's disappointing, obviously, because we took the lead inside whatever it was, four or five minutes, and to then not build on that and, and, and go on to to win the game. It is a disappointment, but as I say, we didn't play particularly well on the day. We've managed to basically grind out uh, a draw there, which keeps his nine points clear, keeps us in the ascendancy. The big worry, I think, would have been, as much as I don't think it's a particularly good Rangers team, they've certainly fallen off significantly in the last kind of six months or so. You know, But it would have handed a huge impetus to them. And There was one or two question marks over Bill, for example, from their support. And, and if he'd won, went and won five out of five and, and beaten Celtic, closed the gap to six points, with two games still to play against them, plus you know however else many it is left in the, the league as well, they would have been thinking there was a, a title challenge on, but it just keeps us in the ascendancy. And as we've said, having not played particularly well, I, I think it's a, a fair enough result. Um, Ibrox has always been a, a pretty notoriously difficult place for us to go, kind of Rogers era aside really, where we would turn up there and, and kind of scud them on, on the regular but yeah I, I think I've not played particularly well to still maintain the nine point lead when a very very good position for this stage of the season so obviously you'll always wish for more particularly having taken the lead in the game but um, yeah as I say the performance wasn't quite where it needed to be um, on the day to get the three points but one point's better than none John Wise words indeed Spunkphone and I think, as you were saying, that's what we were saying after the game in the pub the other day, that I think if Rangers had held on to win, that would have gave them such a huge boost. And I think they would have believed that they could have gone on on win the league because, I mean, the gap would have been six points. We still had two games to go that had put pressure on us. But, I mean, I mean the league still isn't won. Let's, let's be real. You're a to only go. But, as you say, we're in a great position. And I think that the team will know that it has to improve and I think we will begin to improve starting against Kamala on Saturday and we'll talk about that now briefly I mean it's the first of two games in a row against Kamala we're playing them in the league this Saturday and then a week on Saturday we're playing them at Hamden in the Via Play Cup semi-final which shortly enough is apparently sold out which I just, I just can't believe but more on that next week so are you expecting there to be changes in the team lineup? I don't think James Forrest will start for example and i I would be surprised if Greg Taylor's fit. I think it'll be better by and I think Jota will be back. I know that Stevie's really wanting Jota to be back in the starting lineup. I think it'll be Jota or Abada. I think oh, who knows? I mean, Aaron Moy should come back into the team as well, but you, you don't know because the manager does know. I know like he's mostly consistent in his team lineup, but he does make changes a fair bit, and sometimes it's not what fans are expecting. So it wouldn't shock me if like. Even though Kyogo's in this good run of form, if Gigi get a game, okay, he might be leaving soon, but we still need to get the three points while he's still here. I said he's uh, been linked with our old pals FC Mitchelland today, which is a bit of a strange one. I doubt he'd go there, but who knows. But I think we'll make a few changes. Are you expecting a lot of changes or just one or two as we try to be- defeat good old Derek McInnes' command? I think there'll probably be a handful of changes. Um, say Taylor's a real doubt for the weekend now, and I'd imagine even the, the semi-final in the Cup as well, which is a, a big loss, but I'd expect Bernabe to come in there at left-back now, given the pretty poor performance from Juranovic uh, the weekend. I'd hope that uh, Alistair Johnson continues at right-back. Thought he had a 
very good performance. So I'm, I'm keen to see more of him, uh, particularly in a game where you'd expect it to be a little bit more dominant in terms of you know, possession, shots created. You'd, you'd hope it will be a better performance and you'll maybe get to see a little bit more of him on the ball, for example. I'd like for Moy to come back in. I think O'Reilly might well drop out. I suspect Forrest will drop out also. And then there might be one or two other changes just as, as rotation for fitness as well. So yeah, I think there'll be, a, as I say, a handful of changes at the at the weekend. But um, who those will be, we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, I've, I've named three there who I would expect to probably drop out the side. Now, here's an interesting stat, and I'd like to give a, a hat tip to our old pals, the pod Timmis, for this. That we've not kept a clean sheet at home since we played Rangers of September and beat them 4-0. Imagine that. All the, all the good football we've played. We've no managed to keep a clean sheet at home since that win against Rangers. So we need to get more clean sheets at home. I mean, we really must be doing better than that. And now, for reasons I'll go into in a minute, I hope we don't keep a clean sheet in, uh, in the game against Kilmarnock. But before I give my prediction and I, and I update the listeners on the super-duper prediction competition, what's your uh, shoot prediction for the game against Kilmarnock Spunkphone? I'd expect it to be a comfortable one. I'd hope that we come out um, flying. I'd, I'd hope that there's a bit of a reaction to as I say, what was a, a pretty poor performance and the players know themselves that they can play far better than they did on, on one day as well. So I'm going to go for a comfortable win, even with a few changes. Um, I'll still go with 3-0 to Celtic. What was it you predicted in the uh, predictions comp again with our deal leader, Stevie? Well, Unfortunately, he's leading by a point in the predictions competition because he, being the real Celtic fan that he is, went for a draw in the Rangers game and I went for a 2-1 Celtic win. He got a point and I didn't. So it all comes down to this game against Kilmarnock and he's just like you went for a 3-0 win and I went for 4-1. So I'm hoping that we do give away a consolation goal so that I can win for the second year in a row the prediction competition. Unfortunately, though, it looks like he's going to win it and I'll need to be buying. Good luck for one goal on Saturday. Come on, look. Score uh, when we're 4-0 up and due time, that'll, that'll do me. But don't start keeping a clean sheet until the week after Celtic. That's, that's what today, lads. So we'll just need to see. But I think he is, unfortunately, going to win the uh, the prediction competition, which will be a sad day, in my opinion. Do you agree with that? It's fucking fun. You know, I was just feign an illness or something, John, to go out and buying him dinner. It's usually what you do when it's your round, isn't it? So... You bastard, I, I never do that. I was buying plenty of rounds on uh, on Monday. Right, so that's us back for GigPod 2023. Spunk Phone, it was great to have you on this week's episode. Thanks very much, mate. It's a pleasure as always, John. Glad to hear that you're uh, on the mend and hopefully I won't be far behind you. Yes, uh, good luck to you and your battle against the Lurgy, which everybody seems to have at the moment. Lots of people know well. And good luck to you in that battle. Right, so... You can find us on all the usual podcast platforms. You know well by now. You've been listening to us for long enough. You can leave us five stars, leave us great reviews in all the usual review places. You can you can follow Stevie out on Twitter and on Instagram, both of them at GigPod, and he'll no doubt have plenty of hilarious content up there soon. And we'll be back next week after the Commander game to talk about Another Commander game when we play them in the League Cup semi-final next week. So, two Commander games in a row. What a treat for all to look forward to. So, thanks to Spunk Forum for being on this week. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll speak to you all soon. And hail, hail.
Social Podcast Network.